David's love toward Jonathan, David's covenant care for Jonathan and his family is God's covenant care. And do you see the charisma machine right there? You are listening to Grace and Mercy Podcast. This podcast is for people who want to know the grace of God and how it changes the way we interact with the world. I'm your host, author Darlene Bojack, and in this episode, we're going to find out what the book of 1 Samuel has to say about grace. The word hen is in the book of 1 Samuel six times. So let's take a look at those verses. 1 Samuel 1.18, when Hannah is praying for a son, Eli says, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the petition you have asked of him. May your maidservant find favor with you, said Hannah. Then she went on her way, and she began eating again, and her face was no longer downcast. So you remember that Eli thought that she was um, drunk, and she's like, I'm not drunk, I'm just very, very sad. And so he did not have favor when he first saw her, and then after she shared her need, then his, his whole demeanor changed, and she said, may... I have may I find favor in your eyes. Okay, the next time we see it is 1 Samuel 16:22, and this is when David served Saul. When David came to Saul and entered his service, Saul admired him greatly, and David became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, "Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight." Okay, so another instance where somebody's inclination changes in favor of someone. 1 Samuel 20, verse 3. Uh, This is in the context of uh, David trying to hide from Saul, and Jonathan says he will help him. Jonathan says, you won't die. You will not die. Indeed, my father does nothing great or small without telling me. Why would he hide this matter from me? This cannot be true. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So in this case, David is referring to the fact that uh, that he has found favor in Jonathan's eyes. 1 Samuel twenty twenty nine, Jonathan and David, this is a few verses later, at the end of this chapter, Jonathan and David renew their covenant. And it says, then David goes away and Saul asks, where's David? And Jonathan answers, David urgently requested my permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brother's. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. So you remember that finding favor is another way of saying please or beseeching someone's permission. A couple chapters later, 1 Samuel 25, 8. uh, This is when David brings his men to Nabal and he asks for permission for them to, to be in the area. He says, I hear that it is time for shearing. When your shepherds were with us, we did not harass them, and nothing of theirs was missing the whole time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, 
and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. So he is asking for help from Nabal, asking if, uh, let my young men find favor in your eyes. So he's asking for a favor for those young men, since you have a feast day, and since it's a shearing time, and we know that Nabal does not show favor, and Abigail goes and begs uh, David to be, uh, to have mercy. And then Nabal dies of a heart attack. Okay, First uh, Samuel 27, 5. And when Saul learned that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So again, asking if, uh, please, it's just another way of saying please. Now, when we look in the New Testament and we see charis and we see the charisma machine and all these things we've been talking about, then we come back to the Old Testament, we don't see the same use of grace. So I was looking at these verses, and this is all, we don't have any of the hanan or any of the tekana, any of the other forms of the word grace in the Old Testament. I was just getting a little bit frustrated, so I did some digging. I came across a, an explanation that is going to be really helpful for us. This is from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, and I will, I will link to that on the show notes page. And it's talking about grace in the Old Testament. Not to be cheating or anything, because this is definitely a discovery podcast. We are learning together what the Bible has to say about grace, going book by book, and we've come to 1 Samuel, and we see six instances of the word chen, and then we don't see any other uses of grace, and it's always please, it's just for asking please, and it just doesn't match what charis is, and the charisma machine, and and eucharisteo, uh, and all those really neat things that we're discovering in the New Testament. So as I found this, I, I was very relieved to find this, and let's listen to what it says. There is no word in Hebrew that can represent all the meanings of charis. And in the Septuagint, charis itself is used, practically, only as a translation of the Hebrew hen, favor. This restriction of meaning being due to the desire to represent the same Hebrew word by the same Greek word as far as possible. And hen, in turn, is used chiefly only in the phrase finds favor, whether the reference is to God or men, and without theological importance. Much nearer, Paul's use of charis is ratsan, acceptance, in such passages as Isaiah 60.10, In my favor I have had mercy on thee. Also, raham, in Psalm 44.3, not by their own sword, but because thou wast favorable unto them. Perhaps still closer parallels can be detected in the use of chesed, kindness, mercy, as in Exodus 26. So as we see here, the, the reason they translate chen, uh, grace as chen is because they needed one word. 
but the word hen does not fully cover the New Testament idea of charis. It says a little bit more. Uh, but a mere negative granting of pardon is a most efficient definition of the Old Testament idea of God's mercy, which delights in conferring positive benefits. The gift to Abraham of the land of Canaan, liberation from Egypt, food in the wilderness, salvation from enemies, deliverance from exile, all of Israel's history can be felt in the record of what God did for his people through no duty or compulsion, resulting in grateful thanksgiving for such unmerited blessings, filling, for instance, much of the Psalter. The hearts of men are in God's keeping to receive from him the impulse toward what is right. And the promise is made that the God who has manifested himself as a forgiving father will in due time take hold of his children to work in them actual righteousness. So we do see the charisma machine. We see God caring for them. And we keep referring to Psalm 23, God caring for them in, in spite of their wickedness, in spite of their, their infidelity. And we see grace in action, but in the Old Testament, there are more words than the word we found for grace. And those words, again, are hesed, ratsa, and raham. Now, raham is actually the word mercy. So let's see which of those words is in First Samuel. We have ratsa in First Samuel. Again, ratsa means to be pleased with or accept favorably. So the idea of favor is there. But the root is more of finding pleasure. Well, goodness, isn't that what please means? To be pleased with? Please, if I, if I please you, if I have pleased you. So, ratza uh, is a root word. It's a primitive root word. Just about being pleased with or accept favorably. To uh, take delight in, to, to find pleasure in. And so we find it in 1 Samuel 29.4. This is when the Philistines reject David. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? So which word? It is it. How can he make himself acceptable? So in that case, it is to be made acceptable. So it would be passive form of it, but it's right there. Make himself or reconcile himself to his master. How can he make himself reconcile himself to his master or regain his master's favor is what the NIV says. The second word we're going to look at is the word hesed. Hesed, uh, definition, is goodness or kindness. And, and so remember that the equivalent to karis is goodness and kindness. Although the technical definition is hen, the actual definition includes these three words. 
favor, love, mercy. The first time we see chesed in in 1 Samuel is 1 Samuel 15, 6, uh, regarding Saul's disobedience. Uh, Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. In this case, showed kindness or showed favor to the people of Israel when they came out of, out of Egypt. Then we see 1 Samuel 28. This is in the conversation that David and Jonathan are having about uh, running, uh, running away, David hiding. And they're making the agreement um, of what's going to happen to David. Therefore, deal kindly with your servants, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt on me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? Never, Jonathan replied, if I ever found out that my father had evil intentions against you, would I not tell you? In this case, it's deal kindly with your servant. So to deal kindly is part of the essence of, of grace, the chesed. Then we have 1 Samuel 20, 14, uh, when they renew their covenant. And, and so you see it a lot in this relationship between David and Jonathan, this discussion between them. They're, they're talking about all of these terms for, uh, for grace in the context of their covenant with each other. 1 Samuel twenty fourteen, If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. This is what Jonathan is saying, that he's asking that David not take away the covenant that they have between each other, but that he'll pass it down. Uh, it says, And do not ever cut off your loving devotion from my household, not even when the Lord cuts off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan is asking him to remember the steadfast love of the Lord, but to show, for David to show him that steadfast love of the Lord, which is very interesting turn of the phrase, that David's love toward Jonathan, David's co covenant care for Jonathan and his family is God's covenant care. And do you see the charisma machine right there? As it comes down from God to David to accomplish God's purpose for David, which Jonathan has recognized, because he said, when the Lord cuts off every one of David's enemies, right? He recognizes that God has his hand on David's life. And he says, as that grace comes into your life, spread it out to my family as well. Really cool. And next verse also included where it says, uh, do not cut off your kindness from my family. Do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. That's again, he mentions it. Again, as long as I live, treat me with the Lord's loving devotion that I may not die and do not ever cut off your loving devotion from my household. So he's using it twice, both treat me with the Lord's loving devotion and don't cut off that loving devotion from my for my descendants. So for the word Raham, 
Uh, we're going to take a look at one verse here, Exodus thirty-three nineteen. I realize that that is not in First Samuel, but in this verse we see the use of both of those terms. Exodus thirty-three nineteen, Moses said, "Please show me your glory," and he said, "I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious." And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. So in this verse, we have the compassion mentioned and grace mentioned. So both the word Hanan, when he says, I will be gracious and I will be gracious. That's from the word Hanan. And the word compassion is the same word, Raham. Raham is a verb and is also a noun. So we see the verb form of raham or compassion in this passage where he says I will have I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion when he talks about his mercy and his compassion or his mercy and his grace he puts those together. Grace and mercy podcast is called that because grace and mercy go together and in fact, we can even say that within the definition in the Old Testament, you can hardly separate the word grace and mercy because grace is grace and mercy. New Testament grace is grace and mercy. There's two different languages and there's different usages historically of why the word charis has all these definitions. But what we see here is that God will be gracious to whom he'll be gracious, and he'll show mercy on whom he will show mercy. He uses it together. God uses it together. His, his amazing grace is this, that he shows mercy on whom he shows mercy, and he shows grace on whom he shows it, and it's his pleasure, right? It's his pleasure. So... What have we learned? We saw that the word grace is literally the word favor in the Old Testament, but that it also holds within it the charisma machine, like we saw with David and Jonathan, the grace coming down from God and going out. And we see that grace and mercy are unified in this, this idea of God's grace. Mercy, compassion, Grace, they're not all the same word, but they are facets of the same idea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we learn from the book of 1 Samuel that you have mercy on people. You had mercy on Hannah through Samuel. You had mercy on David through uh, softening Jonathan's heart. Uh, you had mercy on us through Christ. And we really are grateful that you showed favor to us. And we ask that we will make it a point to show grace and mercy and love and compassion to people today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Grace and Mercy podcast with author Darlene Bojek. This has been episode 21 in season two, Applying Grace. Question of the week. 
What kind of grace can we expect from a non-Christian world? That's a good question. Make sure that you answer any of the questions of the week on the show notes page. I have a WhatsApp phone number on there if you want to send a voice memo. I'd love to share that on the podcast. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please make sure to send me a note as well. Uh, You can find the show notes for this episode, including the quotes and links to everything we talked about at graceandmercypodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Take care. Bye-bye.